to Integral Yoga Podcast, live from Yogaville. Today I'm joined with Leticia Padmashri, one of our lead trainers of Integral Yoga. Thank you so much for being here today. Mm, my pleasure. <laughs> so I'd like to dive right in with this question. What matters to you? What matters to me? That's a hot question. <laughs> um, I think what matters for me is the quality time that I spend with people. Mm. That's what matters for me. Time, really quality time. And I am even more a one-on-one -on -one person because of that, because I really got, like to spend nice quality time with others. So what's happening there in that exchange that, that feels so important to you? I think it's connection. That's how I can connect mm -hmm. with people. That's how I can um, feel and sense that soul. So mm -hmm. that's what is happening there. And then more time to really get to know and know what is important for that person and how, how they feel and live life. So, yeah. So when you're connecting with someone like that one-on-one, -on -one, do you find yourself kind of in the mode of, of, of being a server? Like, how can I serve this, this person? Or is there a balance there between, okay, you know, I'm serving you, but you're also serving me and you're benefiting me by allowing me to, to share or even to serve you? Mm. Well, I think if that happens is unconsciously, mm. uh, it's, I guess, you know, by being present and really connecting with someone, you're definitely serving that individual, that person, especially these days that there is so much electronics and time spent with that um that you can definitely serve someone and i think automatically isn't that true that when you were serving we get back yeah. <laughs> even though we are not expecting anything back we get back yeah. so i guess that's what mm. it's happening there but I never thought about that consciously now that you asked. It's like, probably that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something yeah. about numbers too uh, that you that you mentioned, right? Like when there's a lot of people around, it's not quite the same thing, right? You don't have the ability to, no. yeah. to have those types of connections. That's connection, right? yeah. That's why I like a lot one-on-one, small groups, you know, because I, I feel I can connect more with people in that way. And go deeper into, mm. you know, each one. Mm. And in terms of, of teaching too, and you know, I, th I think as a, as a yoga teacher, you know, often a class is very different depending on oh. whether the room is packed with, you know, 30, yes. 30 students or there's only two there for mm -hmm. you to teach, right? Mm -hmm. Very different. And it, it's, you know, I love one-on-one. -on -one. I, I love to do um, private yoga, Ayurveda, private, because it's just one-on-one -on -one and it's definitely a, a big difference. But of course, I love to teach, you know, a, a group of people as well. But the connection is definitely different. Um, and I, it's something that sometimes I struggle when I teach and it's a lot of people. I want to make sure I I have time at the end to say hi, but a lot of people finish their class and they go, but many times I say, you know, stop by, say hi, mm -hmm. uh, introduce yourself. Um, but I think it's something that you get over time that you even in a big group slowly you can get to know them. There is a class that I teach that now we are, there is a group that's like, okay, I feel I know them more. We are even talking about getting together and outside the classroom. And I like that because I think the connection is better. And then I feel that when I teach, I can even serve them more, connect with them more mm. because I know them more. Mm. So it's definitely a different dynamic teaching one-on-one, a small group or a big group, you know, and you do what you can. Do you ever think that maybe there'll be a time when you become exhausted um, from making connections with other people? <laughs> so, like, I'm serious. I, I think 
sometimes it, it happens, right, that um, people have experience where they have really deep connections and they open up their heart and these relationships mean so much to them. Mm. And then for whatever reason, they don't last. Mm. And so the process of, you know, filtering that mm. and still willing to open up your heart and make new connections, mm. you know, as time goes by and just you live more years and have more experiences with people, you know, is there something that happens where kind of the the older you are, maybe you're like, I don't really want to connect with people anymore. I, I've done that mm. enough. Or maybe you, if you approach it the right way, it never gets old and you yeah. can meet as many people mm -hmm. as there are mm -hmm. to meet. And it's it's still a healthy experience. Yeah, I, I think if you're connecting the right way, and for me, the right way, I think about, you know, the teachings, uh, if you're connecting, expecting, desiring something from that, mm. and then probably there will be some draining. <laughs> but if there is not that expectation and you are really there present, um, I think it doesn't get old and you don't feel drained. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we'll get old. <laughs> I think the other way, if you're not connecting and that's when you you dry you get dry and you get you know lonely i think the the connection if you're approaching the right way with the right attitude it doesn't get old mm. it gets better <laughs> i think uh, not having expectations though is 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 pretty challenging in a way especially let's say like intimate relationships that we have to not expect Oh that necessarily yeah. this is going to last a certain amount of time. It even seems to be a, you know, a social norm that, you know, breakups aren't, um, aren't a continuation, right? Like it ends and then it has to be, there's something that was wrong. It can't just be like, okay, I'm really glad with the amount of time I had with that person, <laughs> but I don't need any more time. Like that's very <laughs> rare to just have that attitude. Yeah, yeah. But I think if, if we're practicing the teaching and not having expectation, it's like, okay, I'm here with this person today. I'm going to appreciate being with, here with this person today. And I have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. Yeah, that that's the highest sadhana. <laughs> that's hard, right? Because when you are with someone, you you're you're planning for you want to be in the future you you are expecting mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um but I, I it's best to think more day by day than in a big scale you know like today how can today i be present mm -hmm. and and be you know without expecting he she to act in a certain way to be in a certain way today Today's enough. <laughs> it is enough, right? I, yeah. I, I think, though, that there is sometimes a fear. If if I don't think so far into the future and try to plan, then my life is going to crumble, right? Mm, so this mm. belief that if I just focus on today, that that's enough. Or maybe there is some planning that's that's appropriate. Mm -hmm. But the, the question is, is you know how much time is appropriate to right. be planning because that potentially takes me out of the present moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like um, Swami Satchidananda, one of his sayings, like, plan for the sake of fun. Like, it's fun to, play, to plan, but, you know, then release it. You know, yes, plan, but plan because it's fun. And one of my favorite saying is, um, um, trust God, but, um, what is they saying? Trust God, but... So hold on to your camo. Right, right. I forgot now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, I think we need to trust and live today. But there is some planning that's necessary. Like, for this to happen today, if right. we haven't planned, it wouldn't be happening. But, you know, you contact me, we found a date. Okay, we plan, but then we trust if it's going to happen or not. So, there, there, we need to, you know, hold on to the camo and take care of it, and then we do some planning. <laughs> yeah, what's helpful for me is I try to look at planning as just a, a different way, another way of spending time in the present. Yeah. So it's not, it's Lovely. just, I'm choosing to spend the present moment planning. Mm -hmm. You really can't get out of the present moment anyway. No, it's impossible. It's impossible. But uh, not realizing that. Yeah, 
psychologically yeah. you can <laughs> and that's where we get caught up yeah. when you know psychologically we get caught up in the past or in the future but we are still in the moment but mm. caught up in the past in the future it makes me think of when i used to do a lot of administration here in the academy who if you are administrating a one month teacher training uh, the first week of the training i'm already at the end of the second week planning and it was a great practice for me to how to handle that. You know, I'm still here today serving the teacher trainees, serving the, the teacher, uh, teachers, but I'm already planning second week. You know, they are in the third week. I'm already concluding the training, <laughs> finishing up the training. And it was a great practice for this, you know, to plan, control my expectations and, um, balance with being here now and at the same time having the planning mm. so yeah for me what's helpful is uh, to have an appropriate relationship with the planning is, um, to, is to reflect <clears throat> on i'm very interested in moments in life that seemed very small at the time mm. and you could have easily gone a different direction but you went in the direction that you went in and it totally changed your life just yeah. something that someone said or a decision that you made. Do you have any examples like that that you could share of something in your life that was like a very small decision that maybe, you know, opened you up to, you know, Ayurveda or yoga mm. or coming even to the States, anything like that that was just, you can kind of pinpoint a moment that at the time didn't really seem so significant, but ended up redirecting your life? Yeah. I guess was my decision to come here and take teacher training here mm. instead of taking in Brazil, you know, at the Jai Vida uh, uh, Integral Yoga Institute. So back in 2007, when I decided to take the training, I came here instead of going there. And it changed everything. And mm. then you open up to be here. So this is what? 12 years later, <laughs> I'm here and um, and it was interesting because you open up more and more to Ayurveda too. You know, I was already um, interested in Ayurveda back then, but uh, when I came in 2007, there was a Brazilian woman doing a training here with David Frawley, who I ended up doing the training later, and um, she wrote a book. Um, before the big book, she wrote this tiny, um, like, it's more like a, a newsletter, no, a little more than a newsletter. But anyway, I had those books and then um, someone told me, oh, there is a Brazilian woman here. I was like, oh, let me meet her. And then it ends up to be the woman that wrote those little books that I had in Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then she gave me her big book and... That for me was, okay, now it begins. <laughs> the real work, the real work, mm -hmm. the real, the deep internal work. Why do you think being healthy is so important to you? Mm. Oh boy. Because when I'm healthy, I can serve, I can mm -hmm. be useful. <laughs> And, oh, yes, that's for me the main important thing. If I'm not healthy, um, I'm not available, period, you know, not even available for my dog, you know, it's not just thinking about being available to a big scale, just to the one right there next to the bed to me, you know, and healthy for me is that if I'm healthy, I can be useful. I always think about the, the main goal of integral yoga mind that is peaceful body that's useful and a useful life mm. so for me yes if my body and mind are on that way i can be useful so if i'm healthy i can be useful so that's the meaning of health for me mm. being healthy what it means yeah mm. when i was watching uh one of your videos and then also just from taking uh, TT with you as well. Mm. Uh, one of the feelings I, I, I felt was that you're very organized. And, <laughs> and to be really healthy, I think it does take a certain amount of organization uh, and, and, and mm. planning. 
right? And going back to our planning conversation, right? And, <laughs> and planning versus being in in, so in, true. in, in the present. But uh, yeah, I don't know. How do you how do you balance that? And and what's your relationship to being organized? Because I'm constantly opening up to the fact that organization is super important, and also it's never ending. So you can always be more and more mm-hmm. organized. There's mm-hmm. never end to it. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, this is good question and long conversation. So let's see how I can answer in a way that the best. So organization, I think it's the key for self-care. When you are well organized, one, I always say this, you know, like even in your daily things that you need to do, not just external things for other people, but in your self-care, when you know what's happening, it reduces stress because when you wake up, you know what's happening. And we have to make so many decisions during the day. Think about that. I think we have fatigue from the tons of decisions that we need to make during the day. And not big ones. Sometimes it's just, um, should I, you know, dress this will be cold or should I put this because we'll be hot like mini decisions to big decisions so when we know how like at least the things that we can control um like our self-care we we wake up and we know okay I'm going to scrape my tongue brush my teeth and after this I do this and then I sit and then I meditate and then after and then the day seems to it seems that there is this energy that is unfolding and helping you Mm. when you have the mind that set so the organization for me it's key for me to go through my day, through my self-care, and then to my service, to my family, to the students, and so on, to the animals and the plants around me. So, um, yeah, organization is key for for that, for the self-care. And yes, it's never-ending, and sometimes the planning um, when you know, okay, tomorrow I'm going to, if you cook at home, you need to plan before and you need to organize. So the night before or tomorrow I'm cooking, um, chickpeas. Okay. I need to soak the chickpeas at night and then go to bed. So there is that ritual. And I think, you know, in the yoga language, this is sattva. We are just, um, cultivating that harmony, that clarity in our life through that organization. The problem is when we get too rigid and tight, when because sometimes things get out of order. (laughs) And then how we handle it, it's very important. But I believe if you're cultivating that sattva by having that organization, that pace, like what you're going to do, when things get out of order, I think it's easier to handle because you already built a good amount of sattva in your mind and body that you can handle. But sometimes even after many years of organization and sattva, you still <laughs> lose it. Yeah. And Jai Gurudev, we learn, you know, and then we move on. Mm. We don't cry over the spilled milk. Well, sometimes we do, but then we remember, don't cry. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> or maybe that crying is okay, right? Like as a part yes. of self, self-care, self you know, having these moments where you, mm-hmm. know, you feel lost True. and frustrated and all yes. of that. Like, I think what makes it even more challenging sometimes is when you feel that it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you feel almost like you're not, not human or something. That right. You're having this right. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Isn't that it's not always sattva? There is rajas and tamas, and we live into this change of nature, and we need to learn to dance with it. So yeah, hmm. yeah. With uh, with organization, <laughs> is it is it fun for you? And and I ask because for me personally, it's very hard to do something if I don't if I if I, if I don't feel that it's fun. Yeah, but. I'm now constantly trying to redefine my relationships with things 
to try to make them fun. Like, okay, if I'm going to try to do this anyway, I'm going to do it anyway. I already made the decision. Okay. I want to schedule, uh, I want to eat healthier and I want to schedule what, what I'm eating. That's my, that's my goal. Okay. For, for a week. So now it could be something like, oh, it's a task. I need to sit down and I need to, you know, or maybe this can be fun and as Mm -hmm. enjoyable as any other activity Mm -hmm. or, you know, so is that something that's just naturally fun for you? Do you try to kind of redefine your relationship with things to to make them more fun if you know you're going to, you want to do them anyway? It's super fun for me. (laughs) I love it. And I think part of it because of the results and then it just feeds me the the results of having the organization having this you know rituals of self-care that supports my day that supports my work my service um so i think it comes from that it's kind of it's self-feeding um but you know if i think there are parts of it um that may not be fun and maybe comes from like when you said you're watching my videos the setting up you know Mm. it's not fun for me because it doesn't come natural Mm. you know setting up and thinking about the light the sound i just want to sit and start talking (laughs) kind of like i did today thanks to brother arjavan (laughs) (laughs) he set up everything (laughs) i sit here and we just talk you know so that part is tricky for me you know and um the way that I found to, okay, how can I still want to do this? I still want to do this as part of my service um, to send this video out in my newsletter. So I will um, then sometimes not even have the lights, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to do without it and use natural light and, and hopefully that will work and, uh, or maybe find someone to help me out. <laughs> So it's find ways that it can be more easeful and and then maybe I will get to the, the action part, having more fun. I think that's what comes to me. <laughs> Just thinking about this inner dialogue happens with me where I kind of like, I, uh, I check myself on my immaturity, <laughs> kind of where I'm like, like you can't always be at the top top like you can't always be doing all the things that like you love to be doing all the time like no. otherwise it just wouldn't work that way so no. these other things are okay and it could be a lot more challenging and a lot worse yeah. so kind of and that's when we yeah. really when we do things that challenge us that's not always fun that you know triggers us that's i think that's when we can really do good work with mm. with deep work mm. you know that's when we get to understand our minds that's how we can you know grow a little bit more be more mature Mm. you know i just thought of a friend that we were talking about diet with kids Mm. and um and then she was telling her daughter that that it's not that everything that will come from outside to your mouth it doesn't mean that always will be something that you love or it's your favorite thing (laughs) and i loved that because this idea of oh kids they have taste buds that you know it's kids food and i i don't know i think you know doesn't mean that everything that will go into your mouth will be always pleasant <laughs> yeah i just had an example of this this morning i have to share oh, yes. since you're bringing it up you so have a kid. i was feeding zen uh avocado for the first time oh. and she you know she's she's a very good eater so far she's so interested in food but she's putting it in her mouth and she's not having her normal reaction of like you know yes. yum, this is awesome she's like but it was also wasn't like a terrible reaction it was just like somewhere in between like i don't know about this right so but we can how we interpret that you know is kind of Mm -hmm. she was i think even on a very base level understanding that well this is okay like it's not my favorite thing sweet potato or banana but not my favorite thing but i guess not everything will be the best (laughs) some things Mm. happen and we need to Mm. learn from them (laughs) what about preparation for uh hatha yoga classes Mm. and you know just your process Mm. of kind of preparing for class and then Mm -hmm. and then teaching and and I guess too, like just this general question, in your opinion, what makes a good Hatha yoga class? Mm. 
answering that first, what makes a good yoga class, uh, there are many things, but the first thing that comes to me, and I actually, I tell them that, is that when you leave the class, the student, the practitioner is feeling relaxed, but energized. Mm. I think that's a good Hatha yoga mm. class. You feel both. Not just energized and bing, 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 but also not just relaxed that you can even go into Thomas, you know, you feel that balance. And I think integral yoga, a good integral yoga class can bring that. Mm. Uh, you feel energized and, and relaxed at the end of the class. Your mind is alert, sharp, your body's relaxed, you're ready to go and do your, fulfill your day, your dharma. Mm. And uh, in terms of preparation, I'm having fun uh, with that lately. I think I shared that at the uh, ATT that I usually I do my, I, I practice the class that I will teach. And because I'm teaching chair yoga level one, level two, level three, I, it's kind of the same class for all the levels, but then I, you know, kind of has the same theme and then but I will adjust for each level so usually I do that so like on Monday I do the class and then I will adjust but I I, I don't do the f four levels I do one and then usually the level three and then I go and I adjust for every one and lately I've been switching up a little bit on Monday I just do a class on my own and then and then I, I prepare the class that usually is not what I did. And then at the end of the week, I do the class that I taught. <laughs> I, I'm planning, I'm playing a little bit with that. Mm. And then just to see how I did. <laughs> and then at the end, I, at the week, I do that class that I taught. And then I was like, hmm, that didn't go well. Ooh, that was good. <laughs> that mm. feels good. It's just I'm playing with that lately just to see also how I can, because there were times that I didn't have time to plan. And I don't want that to be an anxiety for me mm. that, oh my God, I didn't have time to plan the class. And here I am, I need to go and teach, you know, sometimes doing the teacher training that I'm here and then I take off and I go and teach there in Charlottesville. And there were some days that I didn't have time and I don't want that to be a thing that creates tension and I want to trust that I will be able to, okay, I can do this. Last week I did that and then plan on my head and then go and do it. So that's why I'm playing, I'm playing with that mm -hmm. teaching. And then at the end I do what I taught so I can see. So I'm having a lot of fun with that because then I see like, oh, that was good. Mm, maybe I could change this. Um, but yeah, so I think there is no right or wrong. It depends what you're working, but I really like to prepare. Some people say, no, I just let it come to my mind and okay. But I like the idea of, um, especially if you see that group over and over again. So there mm. is some continuity of what I did last week and then I can add or I can change or, you know, do like that way. Um, just lately I've been doing at the end, but I still work with this idea of continuity. So they see that I, I care. I'm not just going there and popping up a class and telling them. They see that I care and that I'm thinking and, you know, they give me feedback when not just by talking to me, but when they are doing mm -hmm. their class, I, I'm getting feedback like, mm, oh, I should work on that. Maybe that will be helpful for them next week. You know, this week we we did some work on the hands because in the level one, I saw a lot of people rolling on the pinky side of the hand and that can hurt the wrists. So we did some work with the hands because, you know, the feedback that I got by watching them. So that's how it works for me, my planning the class. I love to take other classes. Mm. Sometimes I, I take online classes. Sometimes I go to the class because I learn from other teachers. Um, in, sometimes it's not necessary integral yoga, but it's within our way of approaching. And I learned and then I include that, you know, I make it integral yoga, but I learned from 
a different teacher from other tradition, you know, that thinks and approach like us. Mm. So that's how I've been mm. working with preparing, planning for classes. And I truly enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. Just yesterday, I told them at the end of the class, I look at them and I said, wow, I really love to come here and share this with you all. And I really felt that. And I felt so grateful, so grateful. I was like, wow, I really love this. And to see them really, you know, wanting and, and sincere in their practice, you know, and a lot of them, I think they are there because of pain of, you know, wanting the body to be more easeful, you know, and then I can see also the work of the mind, you know, but especially in this level one. So I love mm. it. Mm. <laughs> Do you have any recommendations for how to stay safe and not injure yourself, generally speaking? As a, as a practitioner? Yoga. Yeah, for yourself mm -hmm. and for others. Um, I guess where you see uh, most injuries happening and, and why are they happening mm. and, and just maybe a general mindset that allows for, for safety. Mm, yeah. You know, the beauty of integral yoga, the way the teachers deliver the class is in such a way that creates that environment for the practitioners to have the mindset to practice nonviolence to themselves. Um, so that that's already wonderful to prevent injuries. And I think the mo for, for what I see in my own uh, experience of teaching, seeing them practicing in my own practice is when we get stuck of having a goal, you know, you approach an asana and then you have an idea that it needs to be like this. And that I think that's when injury can happen. And every day our body is so different um, that, you know, Danurasana yesterday is not Danurasana today mm -hmm. and you won't be the Danurasana of tomorrow, <laughs> the Bopos. So um, practice without being goal-oriented that I need to have that idea, that, that shape in your mind, the shape, I think, mm -hmm. the asana shape. If you have that shape and you think that's how it needs to be, you may get caught up into mm -hmm. injury. And yet it's nice to know the shape. And, and sometimes visualization is a way of practicing, right? Because if you are injured or if you have... Um, certain limitations in your body you may all you can do is visualization <laughs> of doing it so yeah you it's good to have the shape the idea of how the pose is but you can't if you're approaching it you can't be stuck of that's the only way you know so if if the shape itself of an asana is not the the goal necessarily or the main goal what is that what what should be the focus if that's not the focus what is mm, the focus mm. Well, let's see. So you're approaching it, you're, you're getting to that asana. And the, I see the asana as a vehicle, not I see. That's what it, we learn from the scriptures. The, the asana is a vehicle to direct the prana, right? And if there is an approach that, if you are approaching with that, you know, intention that you should look this way and be this way, there is already tension and restriction and constriction and pain and then how prana will flow so um i think maybe then the goal is you you approach being present with what your knee is telling you your back's telling you your shoulder and then you get to the pose that may not look exactly like the one that you have the idea that you saw in a picture in the book but you are so ease and your breath flow so freely that then you reach the point that then that shape that you create with ease will allow the asana, the, the prana to flow and do its job. Mm. So I think that's how. So would you say it's, you know, what, what feels good? But then I'm also interested in this, 
the balance between, you know, what, what, what's feeling good for the body, but then also like appro- appropriately kind of investigating, mm-hmm. can I go a little bit more? Right. Like, this feels good, but like, can, while maintaining safety, can I try a, a little, little bit harder? Mm-hmm, a, go to the edge. Further? Yeah. Oh, you know, and I really think that it's practice that will teach you where is your edge because the teacher will never be able to tell you where is your edge because the teacher is not in your body you know so it's really your journey um another beautiful thing about integral yoga because the teacher is also the way we approach we are also helping that process of exploration and getting to know the body um so i believe that the you keep practicing and then you start discovering where your is your edge usually you know there is some discomfort depending on what what you're approaching you know some things you know like paschimottanasana forward bend it, it may be some tightness something that will be tensing and creating some discomfort and then it's, I had that question before uh, I stood in the chair yoga, like, what is the difference? You know, I feel discomfort, but like, it, what is the pain that's acceptable? Pain. So usually I say, okay, can you breathe? If you're not breathing, mm. okay, then <laughs> mm. you are in a pain that's even taking out your breath. Mm. So you, you probably went over your edge. You want to get to the edge because it's on the edge that the transformation will happen. But you need to be able to hold the edge. If you go to an edge that you cannot hold with breath, because you need the breath for the prana to be directed too. So if you cannot, then you pass the edge. So I would say the breath will be a good indicator to if you passed. But you're right, it will not always feel good. It's like the over here, it's not always going to be your favorite food. It should be medicine, Mm. (laughs) right? Mm. So I think that's a good indicator, you know, and it's a combination of the students practice, getting to know the edge. The teacher also has the eyes not to feel the edge, but to support that journey. Mm. And maybe going back to your point before about mm. trying to make a certain shape of an asana, that that trying to do that as that that being your goal, that's what pushes you past an edge, and you probably lose your breath when yeah, you're trying to do that. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just mentioned something about uh, everything that you you know that you eat, you seeing it as medicine, right? I'm very interested in this concept, even of of maybe everything that we we do in our lives. Could that be seen as, as medicine? Like, why am I doing this? And if it, if I don't feel that it's medicine for me, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. And even in terms of, you know, entertainment, um, you know, socializing, always asking the question, does this feel like it's medicine? Because mm. I've had some interesting conversations with people sometimes where they would say to me, no, I know that's terrible for me, you know, but I'm still doing it anyway. Well, I hope if you're yeah. still doing it anyway, you find the joy of doing it and not feeling guilt because then yeah. you'll be poisoned. It's like ice cream. I love ice cream. And I know it's not always, you know, the best thing. But when I have, I have it consciously and I blast it and mm-hmm. made this be medicine. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's also something to like the, the, the joy that you feel and how good that it tastes that that's there's a medicine to that. Yes. It might not be, you know, the the ingredients themselves might not be the best for the body, but the the experience of the taste itself is a sort of medicine. And if yes. you're going to have it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you learn some Ayurveda and there are some tricks that you can do that will yeah. help the digestion afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Have a little cardamom, mm-hmm. <laughs> chew on it <laughs> yeah. and help to digest. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you have any practices to share about healing and forgiveness? Hmm. Well, I 
I think my practices for that, it's really my sadhana, pranayama, meditation, integral yoga hatha. That's, that's the practices that I use for healing and forgiveness. Um, healing of the body, healing of the mind. Um, like these are the practices that I do, that I can do on my own, um, that supports that path of healing. Um, and of course, there are other practices that come along the way that you discover that you do. But I, I really, these are the ones that I stick with, and I, I, I see, I see it happening. Um, the Hatha Yoga helping this prana to move to unblock the nadis. Um, the pranayama is strengthening the nervous system. The meditation helping the mind to be quiet, so I can listen to that internal wisdom and all that combined helps to heal the body the mind helps me to be more forgiveness forgive like give more forgiveness so um yeah i don't have any special for me well i should say this is so special <laughs> this you know integral yoga practices mm. it's just that's the the ones that i use and i I cherish so much because they. I see. I see the the results for me. I think for me, it's very important the emphasis on a clean mind, having a clean mind. Mm -hmm. So, in terms of forgiveness, right? I think most of us have thoughts that will pop up uh, here and there about our past and people in our past, and you know, some mm -hmm. of them, you know, we don't feel great about um, you know previous relationships that we've had. Um, and so is there anything like on the, even the psychological, if any of these things come up that you're able to kind of uh, just a general tool where, where, where it comes up and you're mm -hmm. able to just release and kind of, I would say that this is kind of a practice of, of, of forgiveness. You're forgiving, you know, mm -hmm. whatever happened in the relationship, both yourself and, mm -hmm. and as a, as a way of just being in the present mm -hmm. and yeah. Yeah. So for me looking at forgiveness is one thing that uh, i always think is it's i don't want to be carrying that baggage so i want give it forgiving <laughs> so i want to give it i i don't need to carry it and um the practice of and the way that i give is to sit in front of the altar and give to the mother say here that's mm. yours thank you so much <laughs> so it comes more for my devotional practices to give that i don't need to be carrying it mm. there is more powerful beings that can do that for me so that's one that i do so it goes more into the bhakti yoga the devotional and then i think one that comes along and um and Swami Shokananda is one person that we influenced and we talked about that is to not like every night, if there is anyone, any one in your mind that's not good at night, you don't go to sleep without praying and sending light mm -hmm. to that person. So it goes also into the bhakti yoga. Um, and I, and it's definitely powerful what i do um every morning we do on triumba comes we do our prayers at the end of meditation and then in the on triumba comes we have a moment for our the praise in our hearts and then i make sure i go through if there is anyone there that i feel that there is some friction there and then i i do um the on triumba comes for that to be released um so yeah i think that if we go more in this psychological way that's what i use for practicing forgiveness mm. um yeah mm. as i think acceptance is also kind of re related to absolutely forg forgiveness yeah so is it is there a do you ever kind of have an inner dialogue where you know, if you're thankful for where you are right now in this moment today, 
everything in the past had to happen to bring you to this to mm-hmm. this moment mm-hmm. right? for me that's very helpful is that something that you use also to reflect on that well if that didn't happen i wouldn't be here therefore i'm accepting everything yes yeah i like the concept of radical acceptance mm-hmm. because sometimes some things are very hard <laughs> and um you just go with radical acceptance of what it is and um and once you are when you are in the heat of it after it's gone like you mentioned now like to look back like yes wonderful it brought me to this to where i am but when you are in the heat of it that's disturbing your peace i think this um concept of radically accepting it because you know you you can't make always be logical Mm. intellectually you can understand it Mm. you know so it helped me many times to think in that way radical acceptance of what it is because then you stop trying to find reasons and Mm. justifications or why it doesn't matter Mm. just Mm. radically accept it it feels good yeah (laughs) (laughs) especially if you're in the heat of it because that's when it's hard yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, I wanted to ask you about, you know, the first steps in a new direction, because uh, mm. my intuition tells me that you have a good deal of experience on this level, even. So, like the first steps to, you know, to becoming a, a yoga teacher or to even learning, mm. you know, a, a situations where there's it's so large and it's intimidating, right? or, you know, starting Ayurveda practices, Mm -hmm. what I see is that, you know, just those, that even just the one step in a direction is, is really challenging. Oh, but once you start to get more comfortable and you take one and then two and then three, then it's like, then it becomes a part of your life. Yes. But anything to share, um, that you find is useful in taking that first step in a new direction toward whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I like to share everything that I, you know, from my own experience. And for me, is foundation. So it start from the beginning, from the roots. Really, the simple, basic stuff. Don't jump. And just stay there. And sometimes, you know, especially if you have a very active mind or if you're very, you get things quickly, you may be a little anxious, but just, you know, be patient and work with the foundation, work with the beginning, Mm -hmm. the the first things first, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? In everything that you restart. Because for me, what I saw that if it is part of your dharma to continue on that path, things will unfold. But then when they start unfolding, you have a good foundation. Mm-hmm. You have a very good foundation. And I, I, I think I did that with Ayurveda because to understand Ayurveda, you need to understand yoga because yoga is the foundation of Ayurveda. So I then decide to dive and start with yoga first and not with Ayurveda. And I really, you know, and of course it's never ending, but the foundation was solid Mm. for then when they studies of Ayurveda, okay, now it's time. And then I started Ayurveda. So, and I, I say that don't rush because I can see that component on, mm. on myself to, you know, I, I can already go there like, uh-uh. have a nice, strong root and then start growing from that root. Mm. And I, I'm eternally grateful because my root in yoga is in classical yoga. It's, you know, integral yoga, classical yoga, which then gave that, and then it will be, it, it supports me on my practice of Ayurveda, mm. because that's the one that you need to mm. understand, classical yoga. Mm. So. so I would take, yeah, establish a, a foundation. And also what I hear then is, you know, to not be um, kind of attached to being the best at something, you know, right, right off the bat, or even caring about 
you know, how good you are. Just mm-hmm. kind of just interested on the foundational level and mm-hmm. what the base is and allow yes. it to, to naturally grow yes. you know, from there. Yeah, even if you you feel that you you already have that, you mm. know, that you could like, but I, I, you know, I could be going deeper here. Well, but let's stay here mm. and let's let's go through this training here and then that will take us to to the next one because there will be things that you will be learning maybe even unconsciously on that level the first level that will really um, build you um, a good teacher yoga teacher or any path you take okay final question okay What's one thing you would like to improve on? That's very broad, the question. So I go with what came first, which is in a personal level, it's um, a more practicing more patience. See, that's why I shared <laughs> in the beginning because uh, my mind can it, it comes and it sees everything and it's already there. But wait a minute, the person next to me may not be there yet. <laughs> so that's my big practice. Mm. Practice more patience. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you mm. for having me and inviting me to be here and sharing this with whoever is watching mm. i appreciate absolutely wishing mm-hmm. you a great uh weekend program thank you well. we'll close together with the sound of om of course mm. oh